Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 287. I'm very excited about today's episode as our guests are Sam and Sam from The Paper Kites. They've released one of the most gorgeous records of the year with their brilliant sixth record At The Roadhouse. I can go on and on about how much I love this record, but before I do, make sure you subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date on all new episodes. If you like, you can also go and follow us across all of our socials. Details for all can be found within the show notes of today's episode. Our guests today are the Paper Kites. The indie folk band from Melbourne are one of Australia's best success stories and in my opinion, one of our most underrated bands. Their debut single, Bloom, originally started out as a bit of a slow burn of a track, but as of this year in 2023, it has been certified platinum in the US, in Australia, in Italy, in Canada, and in the Netherlands. They've had songs featuring shows like Grey's Anatomy, they've toured the UK with bands like Bombay Bicycle Club, but at the core of the band, it is just five friends who enjoy making music and appreciate the art of songwriting. At the Roadhouse is their brand new record, which was released last week, and it could not have a more apt title. While in the process of recording, the band renovated an empty building into an American-style roadhouse and performed their new material each weekend to practice. Now, as you can imagine, it didn't take long for word to get out, and the roadhouse itself was sold out and turning away punters by the end of the recording sessions. In today's episode, we have both Sam Bentley and Sam Rasmussen on the pod to talk about this gorgeous record. We discuss the Americana influences and sonics of At The Roadhouse. We talk about the process of what renovating an old building while recording an album is like. And we talk about bringing the roadhouse around Australia at some point. At The Roadhouse is out right now and we've left links within the show notes so you can purchase the record. We also want to say a massive thank you to Lauren at Canteen Agency for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with the Paper Kites. I want to make you feel one more time We could burn to the Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Sam Bentley and Sam Rasmussen from The Paper Kites. Gentlemen, hello. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, for both of your time. Um, I do appreciate it. What we will acknowledge very quickly is that um, we do occasionally have multiple guests on the podcast. It's rare that we have 
gentleman of the same name. So um, <laughs> what we will do, uh, Sam, as you've very kindly allowed us to, we'll refer to you as Raz in the podcast, but um, we do appreciate you uh, yeah, allowing us to uh, get to nickname um, territory very quickly. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, we are here to discuss a brand new Paper Kites record. It is called At The Roadhouse, and I want to get into the songwriting and the sonics of it in a second because um, it is just a stunning record, guys, and, and, and firstly, congratulations on this. But there's a part of this, uh, this album rollout or this album that I want to touch on which blows my mind is that there is an actual roadhouse that is involved with this record. Is that correct? There is. There is. I mean, it was... It was a real place for the month, so it, it was a real venue. I guess a pop-up venue is maybe a better way to say it, but the Roadhouse was a real uh, living, breathing place for a time. Um, and, yeah, that's that's kind of where everything took place. There was this little space in uh, in Campbell's Creek, so if people uh, are listening and aren't sure where that is, it's a small country town just outside of Castlemaine in Victoria. It's maybe like I think about two hours from Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. Um, And, yeah, it was just this little space that we'd found there. Um, Whilst looking at a a studio up there, actually, a residential studio, um, and we were getting shown around the property. It's it's run by a a guy called Alex Bennett, so it's his family property. And there was this sort of vacant, uh, run-down Victorian-style building at the front of the property um, that was not really used for anything. He kind of showed us inside the space and it was this small um, but really beautiful and, and intriguing space that we'd kind of walked into. And we were only visiting really to sort of see the studio, but we we had a look at this space and, and everything kind of started moving in terms of us feeling like this could actually be a space that we could create this venue in and open it to the public um, whilst we're making this record and just play these songs for people. Um, And, yeah, so it wasn't until seeing that building that we realised I think we could actually do something here and it could be something really exciting. I absolutely love that. I think, firstly, you're not only... You've already got a full plate, I imagine, songwriting, recording this record, but then putting a pop-up venue on top of that as well kind of well I imagine it helps with the creation of some of these songs yeah I I think so um I mean this is an idea that we had had for quite a while in in a different form initially because we we had sort of thought it could be great to to do a tour of um I'm gonna say dive bars and I know in Australia we don't necessarily have a lot of dive bars they're more kind of pubs and and things like that when you get into the cities you will find these little kind of hole in the wall bars and and what I'm referring to here is kind of a mix of all of those great places that you know you would have been traveling and, and and all of that kind of stuff so we had thought it could be great to do a tour of these dive bars and play under the guise of a house band and, and make a record that way. Um, but, you know, with, with things like COVID restricting the travel and, and the places that we could have gone with it, um, we were kind of stuck back home in Australia for a while and it just became a bit more apparent that 
I think we need to do this record here. I think that there are places that we could go um, that would suit this idea that we'd had. We just couldn't find the right space initially. I remember, Raz, we were kind of talking about doing a tour of Australian pubs, but it just it didn't feel right, did it? No, it didn't. And we, we did a lot of research into the different places that we could go, but nothing was really landing, was it? Um, and I think we hadn't even necessarily thought of creating our own space until seeing um, that building for the first time. And it was pretty bare. It did have somewhat of a bar along one side, but otherwise there wasn't much in there. But that idea all of a sudden came of what if we just make our own, Mm. Um, get some help, get some props, you know, buy some drinks, whatever, and just create our own. And it just from there, I think there was no looking back. That just seemed like the the obvious choice that had been sitting there all along. Yeah, and I think that came out of um, just not being able to find the ideal space and and so having a blank canvas in order for us to draw from all of these places that we loved that we'd been to and even a chance to bring in things from our own lives to sort of make the space feel more lived in. So we asked um, a friend of ours, Matilda Woodruff, who's a, a set designer, to come in and have a look at the space and it it wasn't so much a set I mean, it was, but we kind of said to her, like, this needs to be a real venue. You know, this is this is a place that people are going to come and it needs to be a functioning bar. So, you know, can you help us create it? But it needs to feel lived in and it needs to feel uh, real because it is going to be real. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the, the leading, the weeks that were following that initial conversation, we um, we spent just building the space, yeah. I absolutely love that. And I feel that it has, even with the rollout of this record, it has really kind of built this beautiful, um, I want to say like law around the record, if you will, for lack of a better term, that it that it genuinely um, feels, and, and, and this is kind of where I want to go into with the songwriting, the sonics, this record is gorgeous and it plays into this theme, uh, concept, whatever you, you want to refer to it as, of The Roadhouse, these songs do feel like they are well-lived-in songs that have been played at the dive bars that you're referring to. Um, having a look at the whole project as a whole now, what was it like in the studio when you were creating the songs and trying to get these songs to, um, I don't want to say where they needed to be, but I guess having something that is original, that is very much still within the Paper Kites wheelhouse, but then also having it be something that can almost orally sound like a lived-in dive bar track. <laughs> I, w- I mean, I can't, um, I can't necessarily speak to the, the song writing process because it was almost all uh, Sam kind of leading up to our time at the Roadhouse. Um, but at least while we were there... I think there was this new approach that was unlocked um, to recording a record. I think in the past, and especially in the early days, our approach, I think, was very much write nice songs, attend studio, perform correctly, you get a record, (laughs) you know, Um, which is fine. Um, But this one, I think it unlocked this new 
way of thinking about recording a record, that it's not just bringing nice songs and recording them in time, in tune, in a nice way, and then, you know, hitting bounce. There was all of these extra intangible um, forces at play. We brought musician, like extra musicians that were wonderful players, but also just good people and good friends. Um, we were staying in a big house down the road together in the middle of winter. The studio had, um, open log fires in every room. Um, we were dining together. Uh, we were jamming outside of the studio. We were doing these shows. We were meeting the locals. And I think when I listen to the record now, I hear all these intangible experiences that were actually feeding into, the sonics of the record. It's more than just playing it correctly. There's a magic and there's a connection um, and there's heart and there's passion and there's meaning. Um, so I think that was really unlocked for us on this mm. record. Um, as far as I guess Sam can speak to more of the, the creation of the songs leading up and that kind of thing. What mm. are your thoughts, Sam? Well, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I hear all of that when I listen back to the record and it's, it's almost like... Um, you know, that, that feeling when something is so nostalgic and, and wonderful that it, it kind of aches because you remember um, the magic of, of making it. That, that's how this whole record feels to me. But in terms of the songwriting, I mean, I knew that I wanted to record this record as a live band. Like I wanted to um, not approach it how we had previously, as Raz mentioned, like people kind of playing their parts correctly and separately, which is a very common way of recording. But, you know, to get that sound uh, of a band, you know, you need to play as a band. So in writing the songs, I was trying to firstly use a lot of, um, I'm going to say like organic instruments. And and all I mean by that is things that were perhaps um, time correct in, in terms of what, I was drawing from influence wise. So, you know, like you'll hear a lot of um, things that will remind you of, of the bands of the seventies and, and the singer songwriters of the sixties and seventies. So we were sourcing those kind of instruments and, and um, looking at the ways that they recorded and, and doing the same kind of thing. So it was the band in a room together, um, everybody playing. And when you record in that way, you, you really can't, there's no substitute for it. Like you can try and make a great record by playing your parts individually. And and it, it does have its place for a certain kind of record, but some of those records and even the mistakes on those records are the reason that they sound that way. So we wanted to capture the sound of a band playing in a room together because that's what it was. And that's what these shows were. So the instrumentation didn't extend beyond eight people because I knew that's kind of what we had to work with. Um, and even though I wanted things like pedal steels, which by the way is, is very difficult to find in Australia. There's not a lot of pedal steel <laughs> players. So we were very lucky to have Matt Dixon um, come and play with us. But, you know, people like Matt and we, we brought in Hannah Cameron, who's a wonderful singer-songwriter. We brought in Chris Panasakis, who plays under Timberwolf, just great singers and people that could add vocally and and instrumentally to the music so we knew that we would have a band of eight people and the arrangements were written uh to be able to be performed within that and and not extend beyond that you know we weren't looking at sort of lush synthesizer soundscapes like we had done in the past you know this had to be 
a house band. It had to sound like a house band and a group of friends that had been playing together for the longest time. So, you know, we, we worked hard to rehearse and, and to get it to that. But really the sound of the record is just, you know, playing those songs at these residency shows and then jumping in a room and recording them. Like it's, it's all the same thing to me. These residencies that were played at, at the Roadhouse, I guess, firstly, did people recognise that it was the Paper Kites playing? <laughs> Um, no, no. And it, it was intentionally, uh, designed that way because I mean, we, we have a great fan base, um, I mean, all around the world, but particularly in Melbourne because it's, it's our hometown. And I think I knew had we have advertised the shows that we would have had people driving up from Melbourne, um, just because they, they enjoy the band's music and, and they would have loved to come to something as intimate as this, but I think that would have taken away from, I think the goal, you know, I have wondered about why we decided to do this because I knew that it would probably get asked of me at some point. And I I still haven't quite worked out the right answer because it it was just something that seemed like a, a fun project. But in delving a little deeper, I think there is something about playing to a room of, um, of indifference <laughs> to to the band and and to the music um, that really kind of takes me back to how it was when we first began. You know, you really kind of do have to prove yourself, um, e- even to yourself musically and and as a songwriter that you can connect with people. And so we were really intentional about making sure it was something that that local people could access and, and, you know, it wasn't going to be drowned out with fans of the band, but it was people that just happened to hear about it or were walking by or, or, you know, anyone that sort of lived in the area. And, you know, to the credit of the project, that's how it remained. You know, it, it was really just word of mouth that got around and that was the reason that that people came by in the first place. They'd heard about it from someone in town and, and word definitely got around. And, and by the end of it, we were having to turn people away <laughs> because we just, we couldn't fit anyone else in, but it was very organic and, and really beautiful in that way. I love that. I would, um, I guess in terms of previously back many years, but I know some bands that we have spoken to do kind of still do it every now and again, in terms of, I guess like live feedback or feedback from debuting songs live, did that approach playing to these audiences who maybe don't have any concept of what the paper kites are or because there's no, um, even speaking with both of you gentlemen today, there doesn't seem to be any ego involved. So not even in that kind of sense, but like was there anything that you kind of picked up from the crowd and then not altered, but I guess amended looked at changing in within the songs Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I can't think of any major you know, structural changes or anything, for example, that we, that we made. But definitely... Um, there's something about performing a song, you know, a number of times together on a number of different occasions in front of an audience that just kind of matures it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing these shows, we had the opportunity to play. It was just 16 tracks from the record, so just front to back every night. Um, and I think that experience, we then we then took that, um, you know, back to the other building when we were recording the songs. Um, and I think a maturity and a togetherness was kind of fast tracked. Normally we might record a record and go out on tour. And after a couple of months, like, Oh man, this song's really, really popping now, isn't it? You know, and we listen back to the recording and think, Oh gee, you know, we're a bit restrained or we're a bit (laughs) this or that. Um, but this kind of fast tracked that approach. And there's something, there's something about doing it with other people in the room as well. I think, there's only so far you can get in a rehearsal space. There's something about actually performing it um, because I think there's just whether you try to or not, you're always restraining a bit in a practice space. But as soon as you're in front of people, you kind of a different side comes out. Um, so, yeah, I think there was maturing that happened in, in doing these shows um, in front of a different audience every night. Mm. And I'd, I'd maybe like also say to that that, I think we're at the point now as as songwriters and, and musicians that we know at least enough about uh, the kind of music we want to make and, and you know, the, the nature of songwriting to know when we feel something works and something doesn't. So I, I think a lot of the ideas were already at a point where we were playing the songs as we felt that they should go. So there wasn't really any need to change anything because we'd already kind of had those conversations and, um as Raz said, it was really just playing them to people for the first time and and seeing the reactions that you would get from from a room full of strangers, really, that became quite validating of, of the music and the songs that we'd chosen. Um, you don't you don't get that normally when you're making a record. You don't get the validation of the song as you're recording it. So it was this um I suppose this confidence that, that the band had that what we were doing was sort of working, at least on a small scale, you know, you were able to affect a, a small room full of people. And there's something that comes with that, I think, that it, it brings an energy and it brings um, something really special to the songs because you know that what you're making is at least, you know, impacting a small group of people and, and hopefully that reflects on a wider scale. That's that's at least the hope of, of making a record when you have that that insight. <laughs> of course. Well, I think that it has, and I, I can recognise I'm only 
one man in his opinion, but it, to myself it has kind of come across on the record as is. It is a beautifully worn-in songs while still being fresh. Um, I don't want to be hyperbolic. I'm going to say probably one of my favourite records of the year. I know I've still got a few months left, but I'm confident that it's going to stay up on that on that list. That's very, very kind. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was wondering if I might be a little bold or selfish and ask about my favourite track on the record. Rolling on Easy was a track that I just came back to. The harmonies in the chorus and the chord structure just absolutely heart melting. I was just wondering if you um, might be able to share a little bit of behind the scenes of this this track and the inspiration of it. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of songs on this record. It's it's 16 songs and, and each one um, was, was cut down from probably a list twice as long. Um, but I mean, I, I don't like to go too much into influences because I, I don't want to, I suppose, give people the opportunity to say, oh, this just sounds like that band that they were obviously listening to. I mean, there, there is a lot of influences, but I, I would prefer people just kind of, you know, listen to it for what it is. But yeah. That song in particular, um, there, there's always been, I, I would say, a love amongst all of us um, in some way, shape or form for, for bluegrass music and, and folk music. I mean, folk music is, is a more obvious one. We haven't really delved into much um, sort of traditional bluegrass, but I knew at least one of these songs um, for a space like this needed to to have that kind of sound and that kind of flavour and and. I mean, some of the uh, the more prestigious bluegrass players, which we are not. I mean, we're very much like, you know, I, I would feel, uh, dare I say, shy to even pick <laughs> up a mandolin in, in a bluegrass picking circle. But, um, you know, waltz, a waltz is a very easy style of song to do. So uh, I think we were just drawing from, um, from those sort of old-timey waltz songs, trying to do something like that. But laced through this whole record is, is a lot of um, sort of strong character narratives and, and stories of these people. And, and this is just another one, um, a story that had, had kind of been written and felt like it worked um, in that sort of waltz frame. Um, and it feels, again, like, I mean, the whole record feels um, nostalgic to me, but, but songs like that, even fictitious songs that, that were just written um, about a character that, that seemed to slot into this world still carry for me a lot of, um, a lot of warmth and a lot of familiarity. Um, and it's nice to hear that that's one of your favourite songs because, I mean, we've all got different songs that we, we resonate with. Um, that song's actually my wife's favourite song, but... You know, there are so many different angles to come at it from. And, uh, yeah, I think putting that song together, I don't know. It, do you remember recording it, Raz? I think it, we maybe took a few takes at it, but I, I remember yeah. it a little bit to get it. It had it's, it has some, some kind of fiddly musical elements to it. Um, it's deceptively the- like, tricky with the, with the movement. Yes, you were on the Mando, weren't you, Sam? And I was, um, yeah. and yeah, there's some. Yeah, I, I kind of had a, a dry, a wry smile. Um, you know, when you mentioned the chord changes, because yeah, there's some. It takes a bit to get your head around. It's one of those songs that you hear it, 
and you think, oh, gee, yeah, that makes sense. It's just kind of it plods along, a little turn around and back into the verses. And But then when you actually try and play along correctly, it, there's a lot of little gotchas um, because, <laughs> you know, this bit's different to that bit and it, the turnaround's different each in, um so it took us a few swings, yeah, and it's those kind of delicate songs. It's hard to get the um, the kind of feel of it. You know, I think anyone can play a thundering rock song. Um, it's just kind of balls out, go your hardest. But when it's this kind of song, I think that if I remember correctly, our first few takes we kept discussing it. No, we need to pull it back further, pull it back further and just um, really take it easy. Um, but it, it worked out beautifully. I love that song. I was I was only just going to add one of the the best things the most memorable things about uh, tracking a band live is any mistake by anyone kind of ruins the whole take. I mean, it, it can also make the take, but for the most part, any big mistakes you have to do the whole thing again. So, you know, there were takes where most of it was good, but even that little mandolin solo in the middle, like I just kept messing it up and I just couldn't get it. Um, <laughs> And I think the, the only time I did get it was the take we ended up using. <laughs> I love that, though. That's incredible. One day we'll, we'll maybe we'll release a, a B-side with different versions of the song where you get three-quarters of the way through and then someone just yells and everyone stops and, all right, go again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can call it Outside the Roadhouse maybe. Or Yes. Mm, yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, I know that you're, I think... Not this month, but next month you're heading out on tour across the US, which is very, very exciting. Um, and I want to touch on those shows in a second, but I know we've got a, a cheeky little Blues Fest date for Australia next year. Can we maybe, and we don't have to push for details, but can we maybe expect to see um, some Australian shows in support of, of the record? Uh, yeah, there, there'll definitely be Australian shows. We have a lot... Um, to line up and fit in next year um, and we're going to be out for a good chunk of the year but absolutely guaranteed there'll be Australian shows, um, you know, hopefully around the winter sometime uh, but we'll be able to finalise and announce those as soon as we can. Mm. It's, it's one of the tricky things, um, I, I guess, around navigating like touring internationally and we're very lucky that we we are able to tour internationally. I know that it's it's becoming more difficult and more expensive to do it, but you know it's it's quite a big um, a big prospect taking the whole Roadhouse band on the road. But it's something we felt like you know we need to do this to kind of show people what was happening at Campbell's Creek. Like we want to we want to bring that experience to people. So yeah, we're, we're going to take it as many places as we can and. and and try and bring the band with us. So yeah, Australia, I mean, this is our home, so it's, it's absolutely going to happen. We're just working out when. Of course we, once those details are announced, we'll make sure that we're promoting them (laughs) on the podcast. Um, Does that mean when you say you're taking the whole experience on the road, does that mean we can expect some of the lights, maybe the the red lights, maybe some of the, uh, the lampshades (laughs) that we've seen in the videos? I've actually got them right here in my studio. All of the the red fairy lights are just sitting on top of my piano, and the and the horseshoe there. There's just yeah, awesome. a lot of like little things like that um, that we took from the venue just because we it, we were so attached to the whole thing, we couldn't bear to like just take it down and get rid of them. So everyone ended up taking things like you'll see in the, in the film and in the videos. There's a lot of like 
portraits and paintings on the wall. Like everyone's taken all the portraits and they're just sitting at home. So <laughs> we'll have to bring some of them out for the tour. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's awesome. Um, gentlemen, usually we'd ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to. Uh, Raz, I'll start with yourself. Is there anything at the moment that you've got on high rotation? Um, there's always a couple. Um, I always like to get my... I panic when I get asked this question, so I like to open up, open up my Spotify um, just to have a look. There's a couple. Certainly, um, I've been listening to a lot of Bella White mm-hmm. lately. Um, Canadian oh, born, yeah, Canadian born, but um, lives in the US now, and um, yeah, love love her songwriting. And, and her voice and her instrumentation. Um, so she would be a big one. The other one, what else have we got here? There was something, this is quite embarrassing, there was something that I was listening to yesterday and it's escaped my mind, but I was, oh, that's right, the new um, His Golden Messenger record as well is just um, just really, really doing things for me. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we played a, a festival with, um, with MC Taylor, who, who is His Golden Messenger, um, and we're all such big fans of his music. Like everyone in the band just really holds him to, to the highest standard. So, you know, to get to sort of play with him and meet him and, and all of that was really amazing. Some of those Canadian folk festivals are just so amazing. Like we, they do these things called workshops where they'll put multiple artists together on the one stage and everyone just kind of shares songs and, and, the idea is you try and join in on each other's songs and we got lumped with, um, I say lumped, it was like the biggest privilege <laughs> ever, but we did one with uh, Julia Jacqueline and Sierra Farrell. And, um, you know, like, I mean, I'm a fan of Julia's. I love her music and, and so she starts playing uh, Don't Know How to Keep Loving You and I kind of jumped in on the harmonies because I know the song so well. I think she was quite surprised. That, oh, oh, I didn't realise you knew this song, but... <laughs> You know, moments like that are so amazing and I think we got to meet, like, at at least for me, I feel like 70, 80% of the music I I currently listen to, I met those artists on that tour. So you mentioned that His Golden Messenger record, Raz. It's the same for me. I've been listening to that a lot. And um, we saw Watch House as well, um, who obviously used to be Mandolin Orange, um, and they put out a record maybe last year or the year before an amazing record and I've been listening a lot to that as well. Just there's such good music around if, if you're really diving into the the singer-songwriter world, even in Australia, like there, there's such good music happening at the moment. Um, Winton, do you know Bridget Winton? Yes. Yeah, she, um, she, you might have seen her playing with Maple Glider, but she's now got her own record uh, that's just come out and it is so beautiful, really, really beautiful music, just I think we've got a lot to to be proud of in this country at the moment. There's some great music. 100%. I think um, even myself growing up in the the early 2000s and, you know, we'd have a handful of good Australian acts that were coming through across any genre and I think the really lucky thing now with the internet, with streaming services, with everything is that we get to see the actual breadth of talent that we do have in in this country because we get Mm. sent so much um australian new music and whether it's singer songwriter whether it's pop songwriter whatever it is it's just there's so much good music so 
absolutely fantastic choices across the board from both of you gentlemen. Um, to agree, the His Golden Messenger record, absolutely fantastic. Um, mm. But again, as I've said, at the Roadhouse, also fantastic record. Um, congratulations on this brand new record from the Paper Kites. It is out now. We'll have links in the show notes where people can buy it. But um, Sam and Raz, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Simon. Our pleasure. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.